to way back when Sometimes I never want to see you again But I want you to know After all these years You're still the one I want whispering in my ear You're still the one I want to talk to in bed today. It's good to see you. So this morning we are starting a brand new series called Still the One. It is a family series where we're going to be talking about family relationships and dynamics, not just for all the married folks in the room, but for anybody who's a part of the family. We're looking forward to that over the next few weeks. Hey, right now, why don't you stand, greet somebody around you, and then we're going to sing some songs together.
displayed her power in works of art. Oh Lord, my God, I stand in awe. How great you are. Lord, sing it if you know it. Your name over all names. Your name over all names. You stand alone. Even angels. Even angels bow down.
Oh, my. 
Father, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for a new day. And that with every new day, your grace and your mercy is new. God, thank you that your love Father, we look forward to all that you're going to do in this place today. Father, remind us that we are loved. God, when we feel like we've just hit rock bottom and because of our past that we are unlovable, God, would you remind us that you still love us. Thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So tonight we have an exciting event happening at the church called FX. We're going to share a little bit more about that with you here in just a second. But right now, take a look at this video. For the parents in the room, the grandparents in the room, whenever you're around a child and you hear them singing a song over and over and over again, do you ever just wonder where did that come from? Yes, absolutely. Some of you right now understand exactly what that looks like because when you go home on Sunday, you have a kid in the back of the car singing and doing hand motions and they're smacking each other while they're doing it and all of that kind of stuff. And you're sitting there going, what are they doing on Sunday morning next door in kids' ministry. Well, tonight we want to give you, not just as a parent, but we're inviting everyone to come and join us next door in the Family Ministry Auditorium at 6 p.m. for an event that we call FX. It is a place where kids bring the family together. FX literally stands for Family Experience, and tonight we are going to have the opportunity to worship together as family. So parents, 
grandparents, kids, everyone are going to be together in the same room, and you will get to experience what your kids experience every single Sunday morning. And I can promise you I have seen this thing already from beginning to end, and you are going to love every single minute of it. So it is at 6 p.m. next door. Uh, all you need to do is just walk in. We'll have everything ready for you, and you are going to have the experience that will set your week up to have just an incredible week. I really believe that. So come and join us tonight for that time. If you have any questions, you can see us next door in the lobby. You can come out here and you can ask any questions and we will answer those for you. Now, speaking of children's ministry, we have incredible children's environments that are meeting right now where we are helping your kids learn about how much God loves them and how much he wants to be their best friend on their level and they're having a blast right now as we speak. So if you would like to check your kids in and maybe they're with you this morning, I can promise you they'll have a great time. You can head out into the lobby and someone will be out there and help you get them where they need to go today. And we're going to continue to worship now through a time of giving. And if you're here and you're a guest today, you're here for the first time, we want you to understand something. Do not feel obligated to give. We're grateful that you are here hanging out with us this morning. And uh, thank you for being here today. But for those of us who, who call Springwell home, this is our chance uh, to give back to God what he has blessed us with. And you can do that in multiple ways today. You can give in the lobby at the kiosk. You can give online at springwell.org. You also uh, can text an amount to the number that is going to be on the screen in just a moment. But you also can give kind of what we call the old-fashioned way, which is where we pass a bucket across the room. So if you're on the left-hand side of a row right now, if you'll look under your seat, you'll see a black bucket. If you'll start to pass it to the other end, someone will be there to collect it. Thank you again for hanging out with us at Springwell. y'all laughing at? <laughs> That's silly, isn't it? Just silly. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, today we're starting a brand new series called Still the One, and we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks some really cool things we're going to be talking about marriage we're going to be talking about caring for each other uh we i'm going to i'm going to talk about in, in in two weeks i'm going to talk about how to handle conflict not that any of you probably have had any conflict at all why y'all looking at me like that because you obviously have had conflict right uh, you're having conflict at work you're having conflict with your neighbors you're having conflict at home you may have had conflict on the way to church this morning. None of our people. Now, the church across the street, I'm sure, you know, those guys, but probably not us. So we're going to talk about some subjects that I think will be very uh, dear to your heart. Today, we're going to talk about my favorite subject. <laughs> That's a man after my own heart. <laughs> if it's not food, it's intimacy. Which is a real spiritual way of saying sex. That's the <laughs> you should see the look on your face right now. 
It's going to be a fun day, I'm just saying. The year was 1913, and it was, uh, it was you know, titled, called, labeled as being the, uh, the year of the tango all over the world. And it, it was the, the couple's dance that everybody you know, wanted to learn. Even the fashions in clothing changed uh, during this period of time. Uh, women were buying tango shoes, tango stockings, tango hats, tango dresses. Anything that a manufacturer could come up with that was related to the tango they were selling, and it was just, stuff was just flying off the shelf. It was crazy. Now, I bring up the tango because I think that most people probably consider the tango as a dance of passion. Are y'all with me at all? Are y'all awake? I said sex, and you ain't got over that one yet. You're still going, oh, can you say that in church on Sunday morning? You can at 11, obviously 9. We struggle, but it's going to be okay. In fact, one writer, one writer wrote this. I just thought it was good. I found it on the Internet. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm going to read it anyway because I thought it was good. The tango has the power to pull two strangers together into one to dance out their desire. It's the whisper of sensuality brought on by a hint of perfume. The tango is the glamour of the ballroom and the allure of the underworld. Why does sex have to be like the underworld? That's not. God created it. That's still, that's messed you up. Still got you messed up. God created sex and all, everybody said, Amen. We're going to get you going after a while. He said, it's the opulence of Paris and the smoky darkness of a Buenos Aires cafe. It's the world of subtle metaphors that captures the melancholy heart. Have mercy. So if maybe you started off your marriage doing the tango and more recently it feels like the hokey pokey. You have showed up on the right day. If you feel like that maybe... The passion, the excitement, the zeal has, has kind of gone out of your marriage. Y'all still haven't got over the hokey pokey. You're still going over that in your head, right? Then you showed up on the right day because here's what we're going to do. We're going to dig in deep into some scripture. In fact, we're gonna, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians. It's going to be one of my favorite passages of scripture. But we're going to spend most of our time in the Song of Solomon. Some of you have been here before. <laughs> And you know, if you don't know anything about the Song of Solomon, I promise you, men, you're going to be buying a copy of Scripture when this puppy's over with. You're, you're going to, you want to download the Bible. You're never going to be so interested in Scripture as you will after this message. It's amazing. The key to great dancing, or so I've been told, is the art of knowing your part. It's, it's, it's knowing your step. If you want to put the tango back in your marriage, if you want the passion back in your marriage, then here's what you've got to learn to do. What we as husbands and wives, we have to learn our step. We've got to know what we're expected to be and what we should be if we're going to have that excitement back in our marriage. I'm going to break up the message today in two parts. First, I'm going to talk to the husbands. And then I'm going to talk to the wives, and all the husbands said, amen. Because you thought I was just going to pick on you, right? 
And so we're going to learn from the Song of Solomon what we're supposed to be. Let's start with the husbands. The first thing that we need to learn to be as husbands is to be romantic. If you're going to dance your step, I can't dance. If you want to dance your step, then you're going to have to learn how to be romantic. Now, I said be romantic, not sex-driven. And there's a difference. There is a difference. It's been said, I think it was uh, Gary Smalley that actually said that men are microwaves and women are crock pots. He didn't say crack pots. He says crock pots. In other words, generally speaking, um, let's just be honest, guys. We're pretty quick out of the gate. You know what I'm talking about? Pop that puppy in the microwave, put it on a minute or 30 seconds. That's not in my notes. I know it's hard to believe. That was the Holy Spirit. We're just rolling right now. We're quick out of the gate is what I'm trying to say. Women, however, as related to crock pots are more slow and steady. And i got to be honest with you, years ago when I read this, I thought absolutely they're dead on. What I've learned over the years, however, is that that doesn't always hold true. Sometimes there are women that are microwaves and there are men that are crock pots. Well, let's just be honest. There are men that are microwaves and crock pots. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Here's what I have learned. Wherever you may find yourself as a microwave or a crock pot, what I have learned is interesting to me is that opposites always seem to attract. It's crazy, isn't it? So if you're a microwave, you probably married a crock pot. If you're a crock pot, you probably married a microwave. And that was really good in the beginning, but after a period of being married together, the things that caused you to be attracted to each other are now the things that really cause you to attack each other. So what does it mean to be romantic? What does it mean to be romantic? It means, and I made this term up, planned spontaneity. So guys, if you want to know how, how, to be, how am I supposed to be romantic, it is planned spontaneity. In other words, it's making time to be spontaneous. I love the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 8, says it like this. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. We will look down from the summit of the mountain, from the top of Mount Hermon, where the lions have their dens and the panthers prowl. Interpretation. Hey, baby, let's go to Marriott for a quick little weekend getaway. Are y'all out there? I remember the first time I heard this. Honestly, I... I remember the first time that, that I actually decided that I was going to do a weekend. Now, if I'm going to be honest, it wasn't a weekend, it was a night. It was a night because I couldn't afford a weekend. That, that was the truth. And honestly, they were running a special. It was like an $89 one night and included breakfast the next morning. I was going to get everything that I possibly could. And I literally saved up like $5 a week, $10 a week until I had my money, and then I remember that, that afternoon, I just, I, I went to the house, and I told Karen to get in the car, I blindfolded her, I blindfolded her, and I, pa I packed her bags, <laughs> I wasn't thinking she needed much, don't tell her I said that, so I just threw a couple of things literally into a bag and, and I remember I literally I remember on the way to the Marriott I remember thinking this I don't want I, I hope and pray that I don't see anybody I know 
Where are you going? Across town to the Marriott. You're doing what? I really, I remember the first time that I thought about this, I thought it was the dumbest, craziest thing I had ever heard of in all my life until we spent a night at the Marriott. And then what that did for my wife to understand that I would take the time to plan a night for us knowing that we didn't have any money. It's making time to be spontaneous. This, this guy's the king of a nation. You know his time is limited. People were always pulling at him. There were, all, there, were, there were meetings to attend. There was another crisis to deal with. There was somebody else that wanted a piece of his time. But he understood his part. He knew how to dance his step. He knew that in order for his wife to feel like that she's still the one after all the years that they had been together would be if he took time out of his busy schedule to be spontaneous, to take her away and to say, nobody matters more to me than you. So romance is taking the time to be spontaneous and it also is investing wisely. Ladies, you're really going to love this. In fact, you probably want to take notes right now. This is like a really powerful passage of Scripture. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 11. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. All the ladies said, now you want to you go home and get your husband in a Bible study right now, don't you? If you'll read on, uh, she talks about how they decorated their bedroom. Uh, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, our, our bed was verdant. Now, the word verdant means covered with plants. I, I don't know. Maybe they were kinky. I, I, don't, I don't really know what that means other than it was, you got to be culturally relevant. I can't believe I said that at the 9 o'clock service. Let's read on. The beams of our house are cedars and our rafters are firs. And, and the word house here, literally, that word in the Hebrew means bedroom. He knew where to in, invest wisely. Now, we are talking about a guy who was probably known as maybe the richest man who has ever lived. And maybe as a man you're thinking, I, I don't have tons and tons of money. I don't, I don't know if I could save up, you know, $89 or $100 in, in six months or a year in order to be able to take my wife away somewhere. I, I want to be spontaneous. I would love to do things around the house. But I don't have a budget. Let me tell you something. You've been created in the image of a creator God. And if I were gut level honest with you this morning, what I would tell you is that I believe that I was probably the most romantic in our marriage when we had less. You know why? Because when you have money, it's easy to throw money at things, isn't it? It's, it's, it's easier to, to, to spend money here to pay somebody else to be able to make that weekend and an exciting event when it's just you and then then you have to think hard and you have to think how can I make things how can I create things so I have to ask the question how are you investing your time and your money and your energy as a husband how are you doing that if you're spending more time and money and energy on the golf course don't be surprised if your wife thinks you're a better golfer than a lover Write that down. That's good right there, wasn't it? And then last, husbands, if you want to win the heart of your bride, if you want to know that after 
35 years of marriage. Karen said to me just last night, she said, how do we just get away more just, just to be together, just me and you? That woman walks into a room, my heart still skips a beat. She is the most beautiful, smart, intelligent woman I've ever met. If you want to learn how to do the dance, you've got to learn to be complimentary. Solomon's sweet bride uh, wasn't feeling too good about herself. And here's what she said about herself in chapter 1, verse 6. She said, don't stare at me because I'm dark. Now, this is back in before the days of tanning beds. Are you with me? Uh, so, in other words, being dark was, was not a good thing. And she says, because I'm darkened by the sun. See, back in the day, people wanted that uh, peaches and cream complexion. They wanted to be pale. In fact, if you had a, a dark skin, it would imply that you come from a poor family and you had to work out in the hot sun in the field. So she was feeling really, really bad about herself. And look what Solomon, this silver-tongued devil, look at what he says, how he lifts her up. Verse 9, he says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed by one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Let me give you a little background so you know what's going on. She had obviously just asked the question, how do I look in this dress? And he responded, baby, you look big as a horse. You're thinking, and we were doing so good, you know. It's all about being culturally relevant, right? With ferns and whatever they had in their bedroom. This is about being culturally relevant. Believe it or not, this was really a high compliment. See, Pharaoh had only the best horse hooked to his best chariot. And so I'm just saying, you've got to know the language of the day. You have to know how to speak and into the, to the life of, of the person that you love. You want to speak in a way that lifts her up, not cuts her down. Don't try that you're big as a horse thing. Don't do that. It's, I'm just saying it just won't work. And then he said this in chapter 2, verse 2, Like a lily among thorns is my darling among the maidens. And then he gets really, really personal in chapter 4. I'm not going to read it all. You will see in a minute. They'll put it on the screen, but I'm not going to say it. How beautiful you are, my love. How beautiful your eyes are those of doves. Your hair falls across your face like flocks of goats. That frisk along the, the slopes of Gilead, your teeth are, are white as sheep's wool, newly shorn and washed, perfectly matched, and not a one of them's missing. He has a way with words, doesn't he? Your lips are like a thread of scarlet. How beautiful your mouth. Your cheeks are matched loveliness behind your locks. Your neck is stately as the Tower of David, jeweled with thousand, a thousand heroes' shield. Your I'm just saying, husbands, take your lead from Solomon and and prove to your wife that you're her greatest fan. A, a wise young man told me many years ago, he said, Son, you be sure that you tell your wife that you love her before somebody else does. I want to be careful every single day. Every single day. I'm not perfect. And there's a lot of things that I don't get right as a husband. And I'm still learning 
how to do this thing. But I make sure that I don't let her leave the house any day. Most of the time I say, baby, you be careful out there today. She'll always look at me and smile because I say the same thing every day. I said, honey, you be careful out there today because you're going to be the prettiest woman out there. And there's going to be men all over you. And she said, you're crazy. No, I'm not. But if they are, call me. Well, let's talk to the wives a little bit. What do you say? Ladies, the first thing that you need to be, if you're going to dance the step, if you're going to put the, the, uh, the passion back in your marriage, the first thing that you have to be as a wife is you have to be available. My favorite verse of Scripture is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It reads like this, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. I tell Karen all the time, baby, I'm just doing what God asked me. I'm going to die to myself. I'm here to meet your needs. Not that I want to. And likewise, the wife to her husband. So what does it mean to be available? Well, Dr. Willard F. Harley, I've been quoting this guy for a lot of years. He's a Christian psychologist, and he has a, a beautiful illustration. It's a humorous illustration, at least it is for me, that kind of hammers home an understanding of availability and what a man goes through when he's rejected. So here on this stool, we have what we will say is a glass of water in a beautiful Springwell mug. Let's say that the stool is here, that the husband is here, and that the wife is on the other side. And let's say that the wife looks at her husband and says, Baby, I'm getting thirsty. And you're the only one that can, that can get me that glass of water, and, and I'm getting really, really thirsty. And if you don't mind, could you just please, you know, just get me just a little sip of, of that water? And what if the husband said, well, I'm not really in the mood. Maybe later. And then maybe, maybe some hours pass, maybe some days pass, and the wife by this time is getting really, really thirsty. And, and so she looks at her husband and she says, baby, I'm... I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm really, I'm getting really, really thirsty. And if you don't mind, you're the only one that can get me the water. I'm, I can't get it for myself. And, and so there, you, if you would just please get me just a glass of water, I would really, really appreciate it. To which, you know, she replies, she says, well, I'm kind of tired. It's been a really, really long day, maybe, maybe later. So then what happens is the wife begins to get angry. She's angry because nobody can give her a drink of water but her husband. She's been faithful. She's, begin to, she's tried to, to wait on her husband until finally she says, Look, I want a glass of water, and I want it now. You're the only one that can give it to me. Will you please give me a glass of water? To which the husband replies, Well, you're never going to get any water with an attitude like that. Finally, the husband says, Okay. There's your water. Now drink it up. Will Lip Harley, these are his words. He asked this question. When the wife is drinking the water, do you think she's satisfied? Can I be honest? I thought, probably initially she was thirsty. But then he asked this question. He says, do you think her thirst is really quenched? And I am a man. I am a 100% 
And here's what I would say. No. Like water quenches a physical thirst, so sex in a marriage relationship quenches a husband's thirst in a physical, an emotional, and even in a spiritual sense. Now, if I'm honest, I was a little nervous about talking about this, as you can probably imagine. The reason I'm nervous is because I'm afraid that somebody will mishear or misunderstand. This, this is not about abuse. It's not about being demanding. That, that's, not, that's not the point. It's not about being degrading to a woman. It's not about being disrespectful. It's, it's, it's not about saying, honey, I, I care about how you feel. How you feel today matters to me. What it's about, it's, it's about being sensitive to each other. That, that's what it's about. It's, about. it's about going beyond mere words. It's about learning how to read body language. It's, it's about looking at somebody saying, you know what, today I'll die to me because you are the most important person in my life. If you read the Song of Solomon, believe me, this, this woman, this wife, this young bride, she, she knew her part. And she was available. So if you want to have passion in your marriage, ladies, wives, you have to be available. And then, and then after that, you have to be innovative. And boy, she was innovative. Chapter 4, verse 11, the sin of your garments is like the sin of the mountains and cedars of Lebanon. The word garments here is, is a Hebrew word. And, and in the Hebrew, it means Victoria's Secrets. <laughs> I made that up, but it's kind of there in the Hebrew if you just kind of look at it. And so she wore a, a sheer negligee. I'm just saying that she knew how to attract her husband. And then in chapter 7, verse 1, she, she dances. I, I'm not reading all this for a good reason. You go home and read it. In fact, that'd be a great homework assignment, wouldn't it? To just tell husbands and wives, if you've kind of lost a little bit of the passion, I'm going to talk about that just in a minute during an invitation. I'm going to say, no kidding, just go home and read the book together. And guys, you'll never be so happy. Because you'll look, I can't believe that's in the Bible. And then talk about being innovative, listen to what he says. To what she says. She says, my lover, let us go to the countryside and there I will give you my love. For those of you that don't know what that means, they're, they're talking about making love outdoors. It's getting hot in here, isn't it? Is it just me? You know, in a lot of churches, uh, you can't talk about this kind of stuff. The church I grew up in, you, you couldn't talk about this kind of stuff. Over the years, even at Springwell, there have been people at times that have gotten very uncomfortable and said, you know what, this shouldn't be done on a Sunday morning. And I said, so really what you think is then we should just stink at relationships, not know how to have passion in a Christian marriage, and just suffer. But there are single people in the room. Don't you think single people need to know this stuff? Don't you, don't you think somewhere somebody should take the time to say the Bible is a, is a beautiful book and within the Bible, literally, it covers everything that you will struggle with. And there's great advice from people who, who learned how to do it well. I wish I could tell you that 
Solomon and his wife had a wonderful marriage until they died, but they didn't. Solomon turned his back on his own advice. He began to take other wives. He began to take other wives for two main reasons. Actually, the first was political gain. He was more concerned about his political power than he was about being faithful to one woman. So between political gain and lust, he just he had over 700 concubines at one time. It was said that he was a brilliant man. That would make all of us say, I'm not so sure a man's got 700 concubines, right? He memorized 3,000 proverbs and over 1,000 songs. He was worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. But if you read the book of Ecclesiastes that he also wrote, then what you will find is at the end of his life, he was empty. Because he stopped following what God had given to him. how do we wrap this up? I don't know. What do y'all think? I would look at I would look at couples that are followers of Jesus that maybe you're struggling in the area of romance and I would say no kidding why don't you just try to go home and just open up the Bible I know you probably weren't taught that growing up. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're brand new to Christianity, you're thinking, really? Like, this, this, really, this stuff is, yeah, God actually, did, I, don't, I said it earlier, God created sex. Y'all scared to say it. That's a hallelujah moment right there. If there's ever been one, I'm just saying, that ought to get you Pentecostal. Up, with your hands up in the air. I'd get mine up. That's as far as I can get this arm right now. And is it within the confines of marriage? Yes. But here's the sad thing. We don't even know why. You know why we don't know why? Because we really hadn't read the Bible. Could you imagine what it would be like on your honeymoon? Could you imagine what it would be like if you had never seen, guys, a woman nude? Ladies, how about you? What if, you, what if you had no earthly idea what the opposite sex looked like with no clothes? Could you imagine what it would be like if once you got into the Word, God said, here's what I want you to do. This is a gift from me to you. And I want you guys to just explore and be adventurous. It'd be like Christmas, wouldn't it? It would. you see what we've done with sex is we've perverted it we've made it nasty and ugly we can't talk about it on a Sunday morning we've got to be careful who's in the room what if the young people hear I think young people need to hear somebody needs to tell them the truth so that you can find freedom you're here this morning and maybe you are a follower of Jesus and Maybe you're married, maybe not happily married, and maybe you're struggling. Why don't you just try the Bible? No kidding. Why don't you just get into it, open it up, and figure out what it says?
and do it together. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be thinking, what kind of invitation do you give? I'll tell you the kind that you give. Is that wouldn't you want to know a God that was so incredibly good to his creation that he said, I'm going to give you this wonderful, beautiful gift. And then when you don't know how to have passion and romance in your marriage, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to put some of the most phenomenal advice in it to help you. God is the creator of relationships. His intent is community. And for us to experience that with another individual, for, my, for me, it's my wife. Y'all know I'm crazy about that woman. Truth be told, I think I probably wear her out with telling her that. Sometimes I say, I, I guess you're tired of hearing me say it. She'll always smile. Y'all seen her smile. Then I can't even think of what I'm saying at that point. <laughs> She'll say, no, honey. I never get tired of it. That's the God that, uh, that has displayed the kind of love for you that you can't imagine. That there's brokenness in your relationship. And what he wants is intimacy with us. And so in order to reconcile that, he went to the cross. And on the cross, he died and he shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. Our sin. And he says, what I want to do is I want to step into your life. And I, I don't want to be a religion. I want a relationship. And I want us to be intimate. Yeah, I'm using that word. It's, it's not a dirty word. I want us to be so close. I want you to be so close to me that you can feel my breath. That's that image I have in my head of crawling up into his lap, feeling him breathe. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Why in the world would you not want to give your life to him? He's amazing. With every head is bowed, every eye is closed. No one's, no one's looking around. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you just pray a prayer or something like this. Maybe you just tell him, God, I just didn't understand. I, honestly, I didn't understand you. I didn't understand the beauty of your love for me. And this morning, I've just, you've opened my eyes to things I've never seen. That you would be not against, but for. For me, in every aspect of my life, that you want me to be fulfilled, to find joy. I know I'm a sinner. So all I can do is ask for your mercy and your grace. So forgive me. step into my life and more and more with every passing day I pray that I'll learn how to give more of my life to you to grow in my relationship with you thank you for your love Father you are amazing you're absolutely amazing Lord 
Lord, I was just thinking this morning as we were going through the worship time, Lord, I just went back through the stages of my life of accepting you when I was a kid and being so excited about that and then getting so angry when you took my dad away. And, and the more that I had to struggle as a young teenager without a father, the more angry I became at you. And then, and then somewhere in all of that, Lord, I just finally gave it all to you. And then I remember that joy again that was in my life. And then, and then Lord, I, just, I went through another stage of getting religious and losing the passion for you. It's kind of been a roller coaster between you and I, Lord. Lord, these last, I don't even know, Lord, 10, 15 years has been so incredibly sweet. It's been intimate, Lord. It's been so personal. It's been, it's been wow, the security that I have in your love, the beauty of that love. It is amazing. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you give us as your kids. For no other purpose, Lord, than just to enjoy God, for that we're grateful. Help us to get it right, Lord, to not mess it up. To be able to face the truth of what you've said and to celebrate it. We love you. And it's in your sweet name that we pray.